Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's awesome to have so many uh, visitors today, but it's a little challenging because I'm thinking, man, how do I get context? Because we're in a series, and I'm thinking, how do I, uh, you know, sort of build, uh, catch you up from the last how many months of a series? But as you can see in the screens, we've been in a series, uh, we're going through the book of Acts, and it's called The Church in Motion. And really, the book of Acts is the story of, of when the Christian church is started. And, and one of the main characters in the book of Acts is a guy by the name of Paul, who God uses to plant a, brother, a bunch of churches. So there, you're caught up. Uh, and <laughs> see, it's easy. But uh, um, last weekend, JT was looking at Acts uh, 21. And uh, if you missed that, it was an excellent message. Make sure you either go on the church uh, website or or you can pick up there's a free cd copy out uh at the at the info counter there but last weekend in acts 21 and really in acts 20 and 21 we see paul and he's uh if you're familiar with the story he's been on all these missionary journeys planting churches and raising up leaders all these things and now uh he's on his way back to jerusalem and on his way back he has all these you know through 20 and 21 all these people are saying to him paul don't, you know, they're warning him, don't go back to Jerusalem. There's going to be trouble if you go back to Jerusalem. And Paul, being who Paul is, uh, stays the course and he, and, he, and he heads back to Jerusalem. And here's one of the things, uh, as I try to imagine this man, Paul, I picture someone who is an incredibly driven man. Right? Like, if you, if, again, if you're familiar with the story, if you look at all this guy went through, I mean, if people weren't pelting him with words they were pelting him with rocks I mean he was beaten numerous times he was shipwrecked and you know all these sea voyages if he had a pedometer it would have exploded many times he walked probably thousands of miles all these journeys that he went on and I look at it and I go or I ask myself like what drove Paul what drove this guy to do what he did like, was he just some, you know, super A-type alpha male, you know, sort of little Napoleon, <laughs> I'm going to take over the world? Or, or was he just, you know, a man on a mission, on a mission from God? And I think that's a big part of what drove Paul. But primarily, what drove Paul was simply or, or uh, profoundly his love for Jesus. And really, more accurately, what drove Paul was his response to the way that Jesus loved him. And I mean, think of this. Uh, one of his letters, or many of his letters, were written from, uh, from jail. So just picture this guy. He's in jail. He's literally in chains. Didn't have cable. He's, and, uh, uh, but he, he doesn't know if he's going to live or if he's going to die. And listen what he writes from that place. Uh, Philippians 1 says this. Uh, for, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Now, I look at that and I go, you know, as human beings, we hold white-knuckled to life. Right? We, we don't want to give up our lives. And here's a guy sitting in jail, and he's thinking, do I want to live or do I want to die? And he's going, you know what, to be honest, I would rather die. Now, not because he was suicidal, but because he's like, because when I die, I'm with him. 
I'm with him. Right, but, and as he says, but, I'll stick around a little longer because you guys need some help. I mean, that's basically what he's saying. And if you look in your, uh, in your notes, if you've got uh, notes with you, it says there, uh, Paul, Paul was a bond servant of God. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, that phrase, bond servant, may or may not be familiar to you, but, uh, uh, but when we look through the Old Testament and the New Testament, all through the Bible, it was common for people to have slaves, for people to have servants. And in the Old Testament, God says to his people, to the Israelites, hey, if you're going to buy a Hebrew, a, you know, a Jewish slave, here's the deal. You can have him for six years as your slave, but you have to let him go in the seventh year unless, unless he wants to stay. And this is out of Exodus 21. It says this, but if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him uh, to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be his servant for life. So the difference between a servant and a bond servant is the servant is there by force, whereas the bond servant is there by choice. And that's that's Paul. That's what drove this man. He loved his master. He was a bondservant, a servant for life. He never wanted to leave his, his master. So when we, you know, in this series that we're in, the, you know, the church in motion, it's God's plan that we would be just like Paul. That the motion part of this, that, you know, us as a church in motion, that our, you know, all our activity, our obedience to him, our sacrifice, you know, you and I saying yes to whatever God invites us into, that his plan for all of us is that we, like Paul, would do it because we love our master. That that would be the fuel that, that drives us. And so today, uh, as I go through, really, the end of Acts 21 and the beginning of 22, I'm going to look at three ways that, that, that Paul experienced, that God showed his love and, and, his, and his faithfulness to Paul. And my, here's the sense I've had all week is that there's people here today that God wants to uh, do a work in you today. He wants to take you, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, he wants to take you more into that place of, or out of the place of obligation, I have to do this, I have to do that. And he wants to bring you more into a place of I want to do this. And he's going to do it by, by loving on you today. He's going to surprise you with his presence as, as, as we go through this message. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump into to the book of Acts. So Lord, uh, thanks for this morning. Thanks for, for just all these visitors. You, uh, I take such comfort in knowing that you know everyone that's here. You know people that, uh, uh, you, like you know where we're at. You know what we're thinking. You know what we're feeling. And I, I pray today for each one of us in this room that you would surprise us with your presence. That you would surprise us with how personal you are, with how much you know us. That you would just come real close today. Lord, we thank you for this time. Uh, just have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, turning your Bibles to Acts 21. We have Bibles at the front or in the back if you want to grab one. Uh, but turn there. The verses will be up on the screens. Okay, so just to set some, some, uh, some context. So Paul, like I said, he's, he, you know, now he's returned to Jerusalem, and he's going up to the temple, 
And when he, when he was in the temple, there were some Jews there that, that, had, uh, that had run into Paul in the province of A, uh, in Asia on one of his journeys. And these guys didn't like Paul. They didn't like what Paul was saying and, you know, uh, preaching about Jesus and pointing people to Jesus. And so when Paul comes walking into the temple, they see him and they just go crazy. They go, there he is. They start yelling, that's the guy we've been telling you about. That's the guy who's been speaking out against us. That's the guy who's been speaking out against our law, you know, the Jewish law. That's the guy that's been bringing foreigners into our, you know, and, uh, into the temple and defiling our holy temple. And literally in the story, the people just go nuts. And they grab Paul and they drag him out of the temple and they start, it says that they started to beat him. They wanted to kill him. But thankfully someone called 911 and uh, the Romans, the commander got the call and they all came running down and they, they came to, uh, to Paul's rescue. But it, but it literally says that the crowd was in such a frenzy that the, uh, the soldiers had to lift Paul up to carry him away from, from, the, from the mob. And that's where we're going to take it up. This is Acts 21, uh, verse 37. So let's just read a couple verses to get started here. Okay, 37. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, May I say something to you? Do you speak Greek? He replied. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? Paul answered, uh, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. And this is what I want to focus on. Please let me speak to the people. Okay, so number one in your notes says God's guidance. And here's what I mean by that. Again, you know, when I read these stories, I try to imagine them. And I, like, I mean, is Paul, you know, the Romans have carried him away. Is Paul, like, is, is he bleeding I mean, are his clothes torn? Is his, you know, is his nose busted? I mean, they've been beaten on this guy. And he's standing there, and the only thing he can say, the number one thing on his mind is, please, let me, let me speak to them. He's not put off by the attack. And if you're familiar with the story, we won't get to it today, but later on in the story, he, he sort of plays his get-out-of-jail-free card, his, his Roman citizenship, and where he literally says, hey, I'm a Roman, and, and, and you know, it's like, uh, 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 which would have, you know, freed him up from, from the attacks, and had, he would have had their protection. And, but he doesn't say that now. He doesn't, he doesn't use his get-out-of-jail-free card. He, he, what's on his mind is, I want to speak to these people. Paul, not put off by the attack, Paul was convinced that this is where I'm supposed to be. And, and yep, it hurt. <laughs> it, what I just went through hurt. But I know I'm in the right place. And I, I just need to speak to anyone here in Jerusalem that will listen to me. And this, uh, just again, to give some context, how he, how he knew he was supposed to be there. Back in Acts 20, Paul said this. Uh, and he said, and now... Compelled by the Spirit, driven by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So you can see in there, like literally Paul says to them, look you guys, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, you know, has made it clear to me. He's warned me, right? He's not stopping me. He's warned me. He's made it clear that, hey, Paul, I'm sending you back to Jerusalem and I, and I, wanna, I want you to know now before you get there 
that you're going into a, a hard place. You're going into some deep water. You're going into some major struggle, and we need to take note of that. And what I mean is we need to take note of the fact that, wait a minute, God is leading Paul into a really hard situation. God's doing it, right? God's leading him into that place. And I'm not saying, like I look around this room, you know, I'm not saying that every struggle that you're going through in your life, well, that's God's will. So pull up your socks. That's not what I'm saying at all. Because what I love about this passage is that God uh, made it clear to him. In verse 23, God made it clear to him, look, Paul, uh, it's hard, and it's going to be hard. In fact, it's going to get harder, Paul. But you need to know, and I'm letting you know right now, that you are in the right place. Right? He let him know before. It was clear to him. And I believe that there are times of struggle in our lives when God will make it clear to us that what you're going through, you're not being punished. I know it's hard, but son, daughter, you need to know that you're in the right place. So I think a good question now would be, well, why would God... Why would God lead us into a struggle? Like, why would he do that to us? Well, a simple answer, and I think a very accurate answer, is that without struggle, we won't grow. Without struggle, we won't, we won't mature. Listen to this, this uh, quote from C.S. Lewis. He said this, It may be hard for an egg to turn into a bird. It would be a jolly sight harder for it to learn to fly while remaining an egg. We are like eggs at present, and you cannot go on indefinitely being just an ordinary decent egg. We must be hatched or go bad. Does that make sense? I should have said that with a, with a British accent. I think it would have sounded even more impact. But, but struggle helps us become it helps God it's how one of the primary ways that God works in our lives and I was reading a story uh, earlier this week about this couple they were on a vacation in, in somewhere in the Caribbean and and one uh, it was later in the day they were sitting on the beach you know uh, uh, and they're sitting there and they're watching and these some of the workers from the hotel were carrying these big buckets down to the beach and the buckets were filled with these little sea turtles like little uh, baby sea turtles and they're watching this you know of course this is you don't see this every day and and they bring them down to the beach and like 10 or 12 feet from the surf from where the water is is hitting the beach these guys draw a line in the sand and they take these buckets and they start putting these turtles these little guys down on the beach at on this line and the turtles start you know moving along and and in in the story the woman said the people on the beach are getting into it and they're i'm sure they're placing bets but they're you know they're looking at these turtles headed towards the water and they're cheering them on come on you can do it come on they're you know they're cheering them on and then one turtle was stuck you know uh, uh he was a little high centered he's you know he wasn't all-wheel drive but he so he was stuck there and, and this woman picked this, or went to pick this turtle up and was going to throw him into the water, like cut him, a, cut him a break. And the worker goes, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Without the struggle, they won't learn the skills they need to survive where they are headed, to, to the ocean. And literally, I think this is awesome, just in God's creation, literally, these little turtles, in their struggle, and this is the motion they do, Okay, just trying to impress you with my study. This is a real good workout. Yeah, firm believer. But uh, this motion that they do, this struggle to 
paddle their way across the sand to get to the water, it literally teaches these turtles how to swim. So if you think you're cutting one of these guys a break by picking him up and just throwing him in the water, he's going to drown because he hasn't learned how to swim. Well, we're the same. God knows what's, what's coming in your life. He knows what's around the corner. And he will use struggle to teach you to, to, you know, to strengthen your faith skills. He will use struggle to, you know, to, to prepare you for what's to come. And, and I know, because I know many of you, but I know even with those I don't know that there are people here today that you are in the middle of struggles. And I don't, again, not every struggle, but there are many struggles in this room that are God-designed struggles. And it could be, uh, it could be financial. It could be in your uh, health. It could be relationally. It could be in your marriage. You've just hit this a bump in your marriage. It could be uh, parent to child, child to parent. But you're in the middle of a struggle. And, and, and you know, one of the things, uh, as hard as struggles are, one of the awesome things in a struggle is, is, is uh, there, you know, something awesome happens when in the midst of the struggle, when you're, you know, you're sort of, you're paddling along and you're struggling and keeping going, you know, go, moving forward. It's awesome when, when you just get this glimpse of God in the midst of that. And what I mean is it's like you get this glimpse of God cheering you on as you like, uh, you're trying to make it along and he's going, you're doing it. Keep going. He's, he's saying, you, you don't see it yet, but you're growing. You don't, you don't feel it yet, but your faith is getting stronger. You're not aware yet, but your understanding about God and about life and about yourself and about the situation, it's growing. Don't stop. Keep, you know, keep going. Stay in the struggle. And, uh, uh, a very popular scripture when you talk about struggle. James 1 verse 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. Keep going. Don't give up. So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, uh, it may seem impossible right now when you look at your life, but do you realize that God's plan for each one of us is that we would, uh, we would become more like Paul as we live our lives, this side of heaven, that we would learn, uh, that we would learn just to, uh, to, uh, to love him more, that we would learn to, to trust his guidance more, that we would, uh, uh, we would have a, a, a stronger sense of mission because of his love and because of his guidance. And again, like Paul, that we would, we would come to this place where we would do whatever he wants, right? Even if, like in the story, even if it means struggle. So number one, God's guidance. So Paul uh, uh, asked to, to speak to the people, please let me speak to him. So now 21 verse 40 says this. It says, after receiving the commander's pre- permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. <clears throat> when they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak uh, to them in Aramaic, that's a dialect of Hebrew, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. 
I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. So let's stop there. Okay. So here's Paul, again, beaten. Romans have rescued him. And he literally, you know, he's in Jerusalem, which for, for the Jewish people, Jerusalem is like Mecca, right? It's like Salt Lake City, right, for the Jewish people. And, 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 and he's standing in front of this mob, and, and in that mob would be the high priest. You'd have all these, you know, from people from the, the temple council. So you're talking to a lot of the, you know, the Jewish elite. And he's standing there, and, and you know, and I can just imagine he's like, you know, he's trying to get his breath, and he, and he, he wants to say something. And he's trying to figure out, what am I going to say? What am I going to say to defend myself against all the accusations that they're bringing against me? What am I going to say uh, to try to calm down this, you know, this, this angry mob. And, and as I was thinking about that, a verse came to my mind, and it's from Luke 12, 11. Listen to this. This is something Jesus said. This would be years before this happened, but something Jesus said to his followers. He said this. He said, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, or mobs that want to kill you, I'll throw that in, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. That's a promise. So number two in your notes is God's provision. You know, so we looked at God's guidance where the Holy Spirit was guiding Paul into the struggle. And now we look at God's provision. Okay, here's Paul in this situation. I promised I would give you what to say. I would provide, you know, for you the words to say. And what does he provide for Paul? What does he tell Paul to do, you know, in this, in, you know, this incredibly hyped-up environment? He says, Paul, here's what you need to do. Share your testimony. Just tell him your story, Paul. And I don't know about you, but I'm like, sometimes I try to put myself into the, into the story, and I can just imagine Paul, you know, he's beaten and, you know, weary, and he's standing there, and he's going, my story, my story. Like, you know they want to kill me, right? I mean, shouldn't I, if I'm going to build a defense, shouldn't I build a defense on, like, you know, shouldn't I take a story out of the Old Testament, or shouldn't I talk about Moses? These guys love Moses, but, but my story, I mean, that's, that's, that's what you want me to do. And, and you know, uh, one of the things when we talk about our story, when we, each year our church, we're really involved uh, with missions in the country of, of Brazil. And whenever we take teams down and we take uh, a team each year, next year we're actually taking two teams. Little, uh, little uh, throwing that out there to start thinking about that. But... Uh, every team that we bring down, we give people the opportunity. We don't make everyone, but we give people the opportunity when we travel around and go to different places to share their testimony, to share their story. And here's basically how we say. We say, you got to get it to five minutes. And, and what we want you to share is, tell us about your life before you met Jesus. Tell us how you met Jesus. And then tell us how that's impacted your life. Now that you've met Jesus before, how you met him and after. And, and when we look at Paul... In Acts 22, his defense, right, what the Holy Spirit said, here's what you got to do. Here's what he's, I provided for you. His defense is to tell his story. He does just that. And I'm not going to read it word for word. You could read it later. But if we go through uh, verses 3 to 5, this is Paul shares with the group or with the people there. Let me tell you about my life before Jesus, right? I was zealous for God, just, you know, just like you guys. I persecuted the followers of this Jesus, these Christians. I persecuted. I would throw men and women in jail. I killed people, Paul said. That's before. I was a murderer. 
I would kill the followers of Jesus. And then in 6 to 9, he talks about how he met Jesus. And if you're familiar with the story, he's riding his horse to the city, Damascus. He's going to go whoop on some other Christians. And on the way, Jesus literally through a, you know, this, this bright light, Jesus basically shines on Paul, knocks him off his horse. And Paul's like, his whole paradigm has changed. Literally, Jesus, you know, uh, uh, has now intersected his life. Whereas before, Paul was clueless about Jesus. Suddenly, lying in the sand, Jesus is all he can think about. Jesus has suddenly become real. He's there. He's met him. And then, verses 10 and on, uh, basically, we look at how Paul's life his whole paradigm, he's, t- he's now just done a 180. Everything has changed for Paul. Whereas he was this determined, I'm going to go whoop on these guys, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. Suddenly this guy doesn't know what to do. And he just looks at Jesus and says, well, what, what do you want me to do? And in the story, Jesus says, well, get up, you know, and, 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 and come follow me. That's his story before, how he met him, and after. And, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, God has provided for you an incredibly powerful tool. And it's your story. And, and, you know, it's not just your story of how you met Jesus, but think about it. It's all those stories after, now that you're walking with Jesus. But it's all those stories that we have that talk about the activity of God in your life, the reality of God uh, uh, in your life. So uh, it, it's such a powerful tool. It's such a powerful tool when we speak it out and when we share it with others, and a good question will be, well, why? Like, why would your story, why would my story, uh, talking about the activity of God, right, him changing you, working in your life, why would that be powerful? Well, I've got, I've got two answers. Number one, uh, why is it powerful when we share our story? One, because we're doing what God told us to do. Right? Or, or in terms that I can get more, we're running the play the way the coach said to run the play. Because he said, Matthew 28, some of the last words Jesus spoke on planet Earth were, okay, you guys, I'm leaving. Now I want you to take all that I've taught you, all that I've done in your life, and I want you to go and teach it to others. I want you to go to tell other people. I want you to go to, and be my witnesses. Go talk about, you know, uh, uh, what you know about God. Go talk about how you've experienced God. Go talk about the difference he's made in your life. Right? That's doing what he told us to do. And so that's one reason. Another reason why sharing our story is so powerful is because what we are sharing and talking about the activity of God, it's so powerful because we are sharing, we are declaring truth. Now, I understand in saying that people in, our, in this world and maybe people in this room would say, oh, I'm not sure I believe that. But here's what I mean when I say that. When people are in need, when people are in crisis, the great logic of our world rings hollow. And here's what I mean. When the plane is going down, and I don't mean landing, I mean going down, right? People aren't sitting there going, now what, what did Oprah say? What did Oprah say to do, right? What would Oprah do right now? What do people do? They say, oh, God, God, our Father who art in heaven, they cry out to God, 
right? Because it, it doesn't ring hollow, it rings true. It has this weight and it's eternal and it's powerful because it, it's declaring who God is. It's declaring the, you know, the character of God. So, so when we share our story, it speaks truth into a world twisted and distorted by lies. It shines light into the darkness. Our stories speak to the reality of God, his personal activity in our lives. It, uh, our stories remind us that God is the God of miracles. If you were here last weekend, uh, uh, we showed a video. And if you didn't see it, you can go on our church website or uh, on our Facebook account. We're pretty hip. Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a thumbs up. But, uh, but it was a story. One of the guys in our church, and I won't, I won't, well, I will for some of the visitors. It's a story where a guy got healed, right? And he works with our kids, and he had severe back pain. And, he, and the teacher said, well, why don't we pray for Mr. Mike, right? And the teacher prayed, and all these little kids gathered around. You know, we teach them. We lay hands on them, so, or lay hands on them. And all these little kids are gathered around Mr. Mike. And this one little girl says, and he's in, like, severe pain. You know, I asked him, between 0 to 10, where were you at? He said, 8. So that's pretty severe, right? I would say. Um, and this one little girl prays, and, and all she said was, trust God. And instantly, the pain went away. And that's now, what, three, four weeks, and there's no pain. So I don't know about you, but I've watched that video, and I've watched it many times because I need to hear those stories because I get beaten down just by life and struggle. And I don't know, I got this big hole in the back of my head where, you know, it's like, like things just fall out the back, and I forget. I forget that God is alive He's not just this old idea. He's not just this old book that we're holding on to. The, you know, He's alive and he's active. When I hear stories like that, literally it stirs my faith that that's right. That's right, he does heal. Okay, so I'm gonna keep praying for people. I'm gonna keep praying for the sick. That's right. And it stirs passion. It stirs, uh, it stirs belief. Listen to this quote. Uh, it says, we have a culture that tells us to doubt our beliefs and believe our doubts. We need to learn to turn that the other way. We need to believe our beliefs and doubt our doubts. See, the world's a scary place, right? The world, uh, I, mean, I mean, I don't even watch the news anymore because it's so depressing. Like, there's a, is there nothing good in the world, right? I mean, hockey season's starting soon, so uh, there's hope. But, um, but realize this week, as you go about your routines, that your little story, and it may not be, you know, I mean, a healing story is awesome, right? But your little story of, I mean, as simple as I'm running out the door and I can't find my keys, and I say, oh, Lord, where are my keys? Bing, picture comes to your mind. You go find your keys. Simple. But just think, your story this week, just you being you around the people that you see every week, and you share a story of God's activity, whatever it is, may be the very thing that person needs. It may be the light into a life of darkness. It may be like throwing someone, a, uh, like a life preserver who feels like they're drowning, that your little story may stir something in them to go, really? Could that really be true? 
that God cares about me? He cared about your keys? Are you kidding me? If he cares about your keys, I wonder. I wonder if he cares about me and my situation. So he's provided us with a powerful tool in our story. So let's, I better finish up my story or I'm going to run out of time here. So Paul shares his story and then let's jump to, we're going to end with this. <clears throat> he tells his story and part of his story was God brought this man named Ananias <clears throat> into his life uh, uh, when he, uh, after this, you know, when he gets knocked off his horse, etc. But verse 14 says this. It says, Then he said, then this man Ananias said to Paul, Paul, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people. Of, uh, you will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. So let's stop there. So number three in your notes is this. It's God's choice. And, and really, uh, now coming to the end, we've really gone full circle. Back to the beginning. What drove Paul? What drove this guy to put up with such, you know, opposition constantly in his life? And, and the answer is found. The thing that Paul never got over. You see it, you, you read it in all his letters. The thing that Paul never got over was that when he now finally, you know, he meets Jesus, has this amazing experience, the thing that he never got over is that Jesus said, uh, I'm choosing you, Paul. I've got plans for you, Paul. Right? And, and here's what I mean. Could you imagine Paul who's, uh, uh, you know, he's riding his horse, you know, gets knocked off the horse. I mean, it's just this awesome experience where he's lying in the sand and he's thinking, what is going on? And it says in the story, he says, he looks at this light and he says, who are you, Lord? And from that light, this voice says, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And if I was, you know, Paul's a smart guy. I'm sure he's thinking, and thus ends the life of Paul. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I'm just like, and what does is, what is God say to this guy? I'm choosing you. I want you. And the thing that drove Paul was me? You want me? After all that I've done? Right? I mean, I just didn't, I, I didn't just, you know, read Harry Potter. I went, I really crossed the line. I, I was persecuting you. I was persecuting your church. I'm a murderer. I'm a murderer. And you, you know, you want me. And, and, and you know, just that, the word, that word chosen, the Greek word that's used is this word eklago. And it literally means, it literally means to pick up and select. And you know, when I was thinking about that, of God, you know, just imagining God picking me up and looking me over. And, and, and you know, again, in my human mind, trying to decide if he was going to pick me. You know, I, I thought of middle school, remember the middle school team picking anxiety, right? Everyone up against the wall, oh, you know, it's like, it's like oh, will I get picked? Will I be the first picked? Because that's or will I be the last picked? Or will I be the one that, that the teacher says, someone has to take Tommy. You know what I mean? And if your name is Tommy, don't take that personal. But, uh, but to think that when God picks you up and looks you over, think of your life right now. Think of your past. Think of where you're at right now. He looks you over and he goes, I'll take this one. I choose this one. I want 
this one. And not just like, I choose you, go sit on my shelf. I choose you to come uh, uh, be my friend. I choose you to come side, you know, come alongside me, and I want you to come to work with me. I, I've got a mission for you, right? I mean, that's good news. And, you know, I think that, like, for us as, as followers of Jesus, God's given us, he's given us a never-ending story, right? He's given, and what I mean is that, that like, like, in this whole thing of life, I mean, I, I just think this, isn't this what we all long for, is, is, is to be chosen, is we all long for to be wanted, right? And, I mean, this is like, it's, it, it, I mean, we spend so much time we spend so much time, energy, and money trying to present ourselves as better than what we really are. Does that make sense? Right? Because the reality is when you get up in the morning and you go stand in front of the mirror, you go, before you put your spanks on, right? When you look in the mirror, you just go, oh, and you're aware of, and I'm not, you know, and it's not just a visual, but you know that, <laughs> no, everyone's, oh, I lost you. But no, what I mean is, we're pretty aware of just how messed up we are. And see, to me, that's a story I can share every day because I'm very aware of what I've done in the past. Whew. I'm very aware of what I struggle with right now. I'm very aware of the things that I just don't seem to get. And the awesome story is to, that I get to share with people is, and, and this, is so, this is such good news, it doesn't disqualify me. It doesn't disqualify me. Every day when I line up to carry the analogy, Jesus, the captain of all captains, goes, you, Hanson, get over here. I want you on my team. I mean, that's good news. Right? I think sometimes, again, this whole thing of, of servant or bond servant, I think so many of us as Christians, it's so, we're driven by obligation. Well, you better do this, and you better not do that. Well, that's not good news. Who wants that? Right, but it's good news to say, let me tell you about this God that, well, really, he chose you before you were born. And he constantly, he's never gonna stop choosing you and inviting you. And what we see in the life of Paul is he, he never got over that. It really was the fuel in him that he just, I mean, in, in one of his letters, he calls himself the chief of sinners, Right? Not, I was the chief of sinners. I am the chief of sinners. And he still loves me. And he still lets me go to work with him every day. And he still uses me. Listen to, uh, uh, and I'm going to skip a verse, Laurie. But listen to another one of Paul's letters. Uh, and really, just, again, look at it, how he never got over this. And this is from a... a, 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 a translation of the Bible called the message so it's just sort of more common day language and and the context is of people they're talking about all their accomplishments in life and this is what this is what Paul says he says uh, the very credentials these people are waving around is something special I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for and why because of Christ yes all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally. 
experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. Why don't we, why don't we stand up? I'm going to end the service off here in a little bit. And typically, again, I know we have lots of visitors. Typically, the way we end our service is the visitors all come and line up across the front. No. <laughs> Let's lock the doors. No, but, uh, oh, no, look. I think they're running. No. But, but the way we end off our service is we believe that God's here with us. And way beyond what I'm saying, we believe that God is working in this room. And he's God. He's able to come to every person in this room and to whisper to you and to nudge you. And we believe that as, you know, as I'm talking and all that's been going on this morning, that God has come close to people. And he's literally said, that was for you. What he just said, that was for you. Or, you know, but he's, he's literally come and he's been personal with people. And so at the end of the service, we just give time for people to respond to that, to respond to God's nudging. And what I mean by that is that you just come forward. You come forward and someone will come and put a hand on your shoulder and, and, and they're, they're going to pray for you. And so here's a few thoughts that I have for this morning, and then we'll have one song and we'll end off. But uh, I feel that there's people here today that you are in a hard struggle. And you feel very stuck, and you feel wore out. And we want to pray for you today because God wants to encourage you in your struggle. He wants to come alongside and, and cheer you on. Don't give up. Don't give up. If that's you, I'll call you forward just a little bit. We want to pray for you. Um, I also had a sense when I talked about sharing our story that there's people here today, you're like, oh, I want to do that. But I'm so scared to do that. I'm so scared to speak up. And as I was praying this week, I had two words come to me. It was courage and clarity. And that today, we want to pray for you because God wants to give you courage to, to, to say something. And he also wants to give you clarity like he did Paul. In, in whatever situation you're going to be in this week, that he's going to nudge you and say, share this story, right? So courage and clarity, if that's you, we want to pray for you. Uh, uh, if you're sick today, any aches and pains, we love to pray for the sick. We won't do anything weird, I promise. We're just going to put a hand on your shoulder and pray for you. But if you're sick, we want to pray for you. And then I just felt that there's people here today, as I've been talking about this whole thing of God's choice, there's people here today that uh, in your heart you're going, Really? Is that really true that he would, that he wants me just the way I am? That he's saying, I want you? And I want to encourage you that I believe there's people here today that he, like God is inviting you. He's inviting you into a relationship with him. And I just want to encourage you, if that's you, I mean, and I, you know, and that might be a real uh, hard thing to do, but I would encourage you to come forward. But uh, well, we're going to end off with a song. So anything that I've said, if that hooks your heart, come on up. We're going to spend a few minutes now at the end to pray. Let's just make sure that everyone that comes forward has someone praying for them, guys for guys, gals for gals. But uh, just join in on the song, and then we will, I'll be back to end off the service. So just come forward now. And again, let's make sure everyone who comes forward has someone uh, praying for them.
like God wanted me to tell you that he sees you and that he loves you. And I just kept getting this phrase, he is my beloved son. And uh, so just know that God loves you. He sees you. I don't know what you're going through exactly, but God really wanted me to, to just say that you are his beloved son and he sees you. Well, Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing, all the ways you're coming close right now. Lord, again, I thank you that you know us. You know what we're feeling. You know what we're thinking. You know, you just know us. And I pray uh, as we get back into a, another week, as we get back into just life, back into struggles, Lord, that you uh, would remind us over and over and over of your continual presence with us. Lord, that, that uh, long before we were born, you chose us. I pray that that truth would just start to permeate our hearts and our minds, that the God of this universe, just this awesome uh, uh, being, that, he, that you love us, that you've chosen us. So I, I pray that you would become more real to us. I thank you again for today. Thanks for all these little ones that were dedicated. Bless them, their parents. Bless all these families that have, have gathered today. Uh, again, we thank you for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen.